Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. But to Amy's credit, and it was this was really her idea, she said to me, she goes, look, if we're going to be a family, we have to travel together. You can't just go off and go running around the world being a rock star and leave me with a baby at home. I had never even considered traveling with my wife because I'd never done it in the past. No one in the Hall & Oates organization or any of, the, any of the musicians I ever knew traveled with, with their significant others. It was always kind of a boys club, really. And Amy said, no, no, we're going to travel together, baby, or, you know, come hell or high water. And that's what we did. I'm Joe Piazza. I am also a very serious Hall & Oates fan. And this is Committed. been so curious about what it takes to keep a relationship going when you're married to a rock star. 
someone who is on the road and touring all the time, someone who probably has groupies. So I was very excited when the opportunity came up to interview John Oates of Hall Oates and his wonderful wife, Amy. This is the beginning of their story, because I'm also curious, how do you meet a rock star in the first place? Where are they? Because unless I was interviewing them, I've never just run into a rock star, like on the street. This is how John and Amy met. Go ahead, Amy, you got it. Ladies first. I literally just broken up with this person and I was like, that's it, all guys are jerks. And then another friend decided, hey, let's go out. There's this charity tonight and and da-da-da. And then John, he walked in. You had just finished a year-long tour in like Japan, just a world tour, right? Yeah, it was almost a year and a half we were on the road, and I was completely burned out, and I just wanted to go into the mountains and disappear. John Oates walks into a room, but he's not dressed like a rock star. He's wearing full-on mountain man gear, like hiking boots, probably even a backpack. He just looked like down home, rugged. So that was my first impression. We struck up a conversation. I'm the youngest of seven, grew up on a farm. And my brothers are like heavily into like fishing and this and and that. And so when John and I were talking, he was just so down to earth, just talking about when he was a kid, how he would go fishing at the at the creek and, and just, uh, just really cool. So my empathic self is like, hmm, soul connection. <laughs> of course, you know, um, I, I stood up and uh, she thought she thought I was still sitting down, which didn't go over that well because she was expecting like this strapping six footer to stand up and sweep her off her feet. Hmm. But, uh, really? Okay. <laughs> Not the case, but anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Amy take this one again. Well, I I I thought, well, shucks, here's like a really just really nice guy and or I just didn't even think I just thought it was one of those times in Colorado where John was performing and there were charitable events and this whole weekend, this whole circuit, we just kept just bumping into one another. And I saw him perform at this one, this great, this great club, the Belly Up in Aspen. And he was, he was performing there. He was heading on out and he had guitar in hand, head down to the ground, walking up the steps, going out the exit. And I was like, hey, great set, you know? And he was just kind of like walking by and he was just so bashful. And I think that was my draw. He just seemed introverted, just very genuine, bashful and just kind of doing his own thing. And I was like, hey, would you like to have a cup of coffee? I work over at this place and Cheeks of Aspen on Hyman Avenue, can't make that up. And uh, it was just kind of the swimsuit kind of store. And so anywho's, he, I said, oh, please stop by. He never showed up. But around five the next day, he did call. He called and he asked for Amy. And uh, the, the boss, the, the owner of the store said, well, may I ask who's calling? Oh, this is John, John Oates. She said, John, this is Judy Lucas. We grew up, we were on the same swim team together in grade school. <laughs> in North Wales, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Here we, a little mountain town, Aspen, Colorado, and they're on the lo- line together. That's insane. Yeah, we, we grew that up about a block real. away from each other. Yeah, it was, it was just some crazy coincidence. She's like, it's Judy from North Wales. Yeah, I had gotten divorced the year before, and to, quite frankly, I was not looking to be in a relationship. In fact, I needed to spend some time by myself. In fact, that's one of the reasons I went to Aspen, Colorado, because I was living on the East Coast. And things just weren't going well for me in New York. I, I had been in, you know, on the East Coast my whole life. I just 
moved into this little condo and basically sold everything I had and I wanted to start over again. So for me, it was it was just kind of letting letting things happen, just see, seeing where the, where the world was going to take me. And luckily for me, I, I met Amy. A little backstory. John had just gotten a divorce. He came to Aspen to hide out and heal and be by himself and figure out who the hell he was after having this really intense career for such a long time. Amy had also just broken up with someone and she was not looking for a relationship. But isn't that when like a soul connection always happens? It's true. One of those things that is very true is that you find someone when you're not looking for someone. I tell the kids that all the time. Not my kids, but you know, the kids. The, generally, the kids. So John and Amy went to the movies. Judy Lucas from Cheeks vouched for John to Amy. She was like, he is a very good guy and you should definitely go to the movies with him. That date led to another date, but John was still figuring out all of his stuff, all of his baggage. So they'd go on dates, but then he'd go off and he'd do things like helicopter skiing and hiking, but he would always come back to Amy. And then we just got closer and closer together. I remember I wanted to get out of my little condo and we rented a little cabin, a little tiny mining shack that was on the property of a friend of mine and right at the edge of town. And we rented that little shack and we, I guess, shacked up. I guess yes. that's the best way to put it. And it was the same year that the B-52s had Love Shack. So we <laughs> called the Love Shack Bay. Yeah. Yeah. And we, uh, we kind of hung out in, the, in this little shack for, I guess, about a half a year. It really. literally was a tool shack. I mean, literally. It, it, it had a padlock on it. It mm. wasn't more than, it couldn't have been bigger than 300 square okay. feet. It was tiny. I had a fox at the time. And it was one of the only properties that had kind of a Walden area, secure backyard. So it was super teeny tiny, but I was like, this is great for the fox. So Amy, Amy had a fox as a pet. And when yeah. I met her, actually, when, when I saw her in, walking down the street in Aspen, she had the fox around her neck, like you'd wear a mink stole or something. The live fox, the real yeah. fox, yeah. around her neck. And that was pretty, I'm, I was very impressed with that. I thought to myself, <laughs> now here is a unique gal right here. Amy and I started, you know, we were really spending all our time together. We went back east. I still had a house back in Connecticut at, outside of New York City, and I was in the process of selling it. I knew that, you know, once I sold that house that I wasn't going to live back east. I really wanted to live in Colorado. I wanted to live in the mountains. And Amy loved it there. She had, we both knew we wanted to be there. And I, it was really just a matter of making that decision. And then one day I bought an SUV, a little SUV, packed up a bunch of stuff in, from my house in Connecticut. And she and I drove to her parents' house in Illinois to the farm. And I had never met her parents, so I met her parents. And I realized they were great people and I just, they were just down to earth and, you know, just really nice. They were very welcoming. After that, they drove straight through to Colorado, which is a very long drive. I've done that drive. It takes about 14 hours and most of it is actually pretty boring and then it gets really beautiful. From there, things just took their natural course. Right. And I think I, I initially she proposed propo to she, you. She proposed to me in a teepee. They started out living in a shack, a love shack, and then Amy proposed in a teepee. Yeah, a teepee. More on that after a quick break. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if you, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're, you're scratching your head and going, wait a minute, <laughs> Love Shack, TP. Next, we moved into a yurt. <laughs> no, and I knew that we couldn't continue living in the Love Shack. So I wanted to buy a house in town, but Amy, having grown up on a farm, she said, no, no, we got to have chickens. We have to have chickens. That was the only criteria, Her chickens. criteria was we have to have chickens. And we'd go with real estate agents, and the first question she'd ask, we'd look at a house, and she'd say, can we have chickens? And they'd go, uh, really? You're asking that question? <laughs> and she goes, they, the owners would be, we've never been asked that question. And we go, oh, pass, and we'd leave. So she found a piece of property outside of Aspen, a place called Woody Creek, an old a little farm, a little ranch. And she really wanted to have animals. And I said, well, okay, let's do that. And we bought this little ranch, and we, we had a little tiny cabin on it that we were going to live in while we built a house. And uh, in the meantime, we put up teepee. Actually, uh, let's see, was it Shawnee? I can't remember. Or Lakota teepee, a uh, real Western teepee. And we put it up just for fun, just to camp out in. And I think that's where she convinced me to that it would be a good idea if we got married. Yeah. It was kind of mutual. I mean, we were just kind of talking about it. It wasn't, it was not the traditional like bend a knee. It was so funny. But I remember like right around the two year mark, he was bending down, picking up some more kindling for the fire. And I was like, this is it. I was like, dang it. Then we'd go over to the fridge and I was like, he's going to pull something out of the fridge. You know, anything. I was like, this is it. This is it. And it just never happened. Like the full bend and knee, like the the, the, the I, storybook. Hey, that's just so unconventional. Our lives, that's our relationship. In a nutshell, we are unconventional and we just welcome it. It's just, we let our freak flag fly. They were building this log house on their land in Woody Creek. The rest, of the rest of the time, we lived in this little tiny cabin while we built the house and attached it to that cabin and eventually moved into the main part of yeah. the house. And that cabin, really, little B-roll here, was uh, Hunter Thompson's uh, garage. Hunter Thompson was our neighbor, the writer, the famous writer. Oh, yeah, writer. of course, of course. Yeah, if you, dri- if you drive out our lane, and we still have that house, by the way. Yeah. If you drive out that lane and cross the road, you would go directly into his driveway. When we looked at the property, in that little cabin was the red land shark car that was used in uh, Fear and Fear Loathing, Loathing in Las Vegas. And we had no idea why someone who didn't own the property was keeping a car in this cabin. And finally, when it became time for us to renovate the cabin, I knocked on his door a number of times. And finally, I just jump-started it. The keys were in it. I drove it up on his lawn, parked it directly in front of his front door, and just left it there. That was it. And he, he never really... He never really thought that was unusual. I guess yeah. he thought the car just appeared on his front yard. Such a great guy. But yeah, we, we, we actually uh, hung out with him for over 20 years. And our son was, was born right around that time in 96. So we bought, we, we bought the property in 94, and we lived in the cabin for about a year and a half while, while we started building the house. And then in 96, the house was finally finished, and our son was born in 96. And so he grew up in, you know, in Colorado in, in that house. And actually, we homeschooled him as well, and he went on tour with us from the time he was five weeks old until he was 13. This baby went on tour when he was five weeks old. I hardly left the house for the first five weeks I had Charlie. Now they're on the road. John, Amy, the baby, Daryl, 
Now, Amy is part of the entourage, and I had to ask her, was she a fan of John and Hall and & Oates before they even met? Did she like their music as much as I do? She, was, know, she wasn't a fan. She, no. she likes Susie and the Banshees and a lot of punk bands from it's, the 80s. No, 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 no. I love all <laughs> I think that was one of the appeals, by the way. Yeah, that's she was, true. She wasn't a real big fan. Going back, when I saw him, he had like this ski, you know, outfit on. I had changed my whole I, life. Yeah. I, I wasn't he touring, was a different person. I wasn't touring with Daryl during that period of time. We had really taken a hiatus. We weren't making records. We weren't touring. So she saw, she perceived me in a completely different way. Right, right. Oh, yeah, hey, love their music then and I yes I was a I was a fan but I wasn't like hey oh my gosh I was front row over there and you know I, I probably didn't even play the guitar for the first two years that we met cool so I wasn't or like marrying a rock star I mean he's just so cool and down to earth and and in all honesty I I was just so I was kind of I was like is he really like this I mean he's just such a great guy and after a year or two I'm just like wow he's authentically just a really great guy down to earth and just a breath of fresh air, you know? I still pinch myself today. <sighs> she pinches me more, trust me. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm grateful. <laughs> and so when, when did you start touring again with Daryl? Once we, once we finished in 86, we, we needed to take a break because we had, you know, I had been on the road from 1972 until 1986 and I never ever stopped, not for one moment. It was either writing songs in the recording studio or on tour. And after we played the Apollo Theater and after we did Live Aid and We Are the World and all that, Daryl and I just felt like it, there was nowhere to go but down for us because we had been at the top of the pop world, you know, with number one record after number one record and, you know, d touring the world. And we just took a, we just stepped back. And we did an album in 80, uh, 88, and we did an album in 80, in 90, but it, we didn't really tour behind it. We played a few shows here and there. One of the first times that John and Amy traveled out of the country together was to a private Hall & Oates concert that happened to be in the Caribbean. That is the kind of thing that happens when you start dating a rock star. You go to private concerts on a beautiful island. Trinidad and Tobago. Daryl and I had a, a private show down there. And so we used it as kind of a holiday. And we went to Trinidad and Tobago. We traveled down through the Caribbean. And that was really the first, that's when we really started to, you know, yeah. be together all the time. Yeah. I remember I was in the elevator. You were coming downstairs. I jumped in the elevator. Daryl and his assistant or a couple other guys were getting on. I, that was the very first time I, I met Daryl. He had just, he had gotten into the uh, the elevator and we had both and we we're just both quiet <laughs> and we went down and then he saw me I walked ahead of him and I just jumped on the tour bus <laughs> and he's probably like what <laughs> and John that's right John was already in the bus and yeah so I don't know was it but I'll tell you what as a new mother and traveling around with an infant only weeks old it it I mean. I'm still getting over some post-traumatic stress from that. Let me try. Baby proofing everywhere we went. Yeah, and then going to foreign crazy. countries and baby proofing there. Different okay. regulations, different this, different that. It was freaking. But I was so in the zone. We were so in the zone and bound and determined just just, just doing anything. That willingness just to, just to 
yeah, we were just so presently in the moment of just trying to make it happen. But to Amy's credit, and it was this is really her idea, she said to me, she goes, look, if we're going to be a family, we have to travel together. You can't just go off and go running around the world being a rock star and leave me with a baby at home. I had never even considered traveling with my wife or because I'd never done it in the past and no one in the Hall & Oates organization or any of, the, any of the musicians I ever knew traveled with, with their significant others. It was always kind of a, bo an old, a boys club, really. And Amy said, no, no, we're going to travel together, baby, or, you know, come hell or high water. And that's what we did. So it was definitely an adjustment, a huge adjustment. But it was the best thing we ever did because we got to, we got to spend our son's entire childhood together traveling the world, taking him to science museums and having him experience all these exotic things that we were doing. And we got to know him as a person because, and even to this day, we don't see him very often anymore, but he is like, we're so connected. It's, it's a bond that you can, is unshakable because I spent, you know, I didn't miss a day of his childhood. I mean, there wasn't a casino. He did not spend his birthday. In. <laughs> he, he took he his- He grew up in casinos. Okay, no. he took his first steps. He took his first steps in a casino. In he, he, he went to the bathroom in a toilet for the first time in a casino. Yeah. Let's see, what else? We, we've had crazy times. I mean, I remember one time we were on a private plane traveling across the country, and he. I know, I know. It was the middle of the night. Oh. Daryl was trying to sleep. Everybody was trying to sleep. <laughs> Sorry, Daryl. And, and he took a big dump in his diaper, and it stunk like you can't believe and it. It smelled up the whole. And always so was Daryl. Always so was Daryl. Take this pillow and, just and stick corn. it over his head. <laughs> <laughs> and groan. I know. And I have to I say, know. I have to give Daryl. I know. Thanks, I got to give Daryl a lot of props because he didn't, he, need, he didn't said, need to do that. He never said anything. No, he never said a word. So I have to give him a ton of props for. The whole for, band was always so cool. They all they always treated Tanner, you know, like yeah, like we, family. It was just an interesting way of, of growing up. Yeah. And now he's become, you know, he's a he's a world traveler. Nothing nothing phases him. He can mm -hmm. he can handle, you know, going to the White House and meeting a president. He can talk to a scientist and he's in the he's in the technology science world. Yeah. But it wasn't just all glossy. I mean, there is definitely a flip side of having the routine and this I mean it worked for us. It yeah, he didn't so he didn't have the structure. <laughs> he lived the life of a rock star, and which all is kind of crazy, I mean, but we just did our best, you know, and I, we just did what we could do. It worked for us, but... Um, and considering what he experienced and, and the type of life he led, he's pretty damn grounded. It's, an, it's, it's a miracle. But I always used to joke with him. I said, don't worry about going to college. You have to, don't worry about anything. I said, all, all you, if things go, no matter what happens, you always have a black t-shirt and a bunk on the crew bus and you can do lights and you can sell merch. Yeah. And, and he was like, no. he said, no, I'm going to college. Yeah, he yeah. said, no way, no, no. I'm going to that college. That part's great. He did, he was just done with the travel. That yeah. was it, he, the he saw He saw the reality of the He loves, you know, life but, on the road, but just didn't want but to he's, But he saw the reality of the life we lead and what it's really like. Not, not some fantasy that the average person might think a rock star's life might be. He actually saw the reality of living in hotels, you know, getting, arriving at one o'clock and two o'clock mm -hmm. in the morning you know, not being able to sleep, getting up the next day, being in a different place. He actually knew the reality of that. And that really made him make life decisions that were better for him and the type of life he wanted to lead. Yeah. And, you, you know, and, and then when he went to college, it was kind of funny because, you know, all the kids make a, such a big deal about going to college. You know, it's like this big deal where the parents, you know, go and take him to the, take them to the, 
to the campus and all. We were like, he went there on his own. We, we like, oh, you're going to Virginia Tech? No problem. He goes, well, should we go with you? He goes, no, no, I got, I got this. And he just showed up and just, because, you know, that's, he was just independent. Yeah. He's been that way ever since. He's still that way. John had been in a very serious partnership and relationship before Amy came along. And I'm not talking about his first marriage. I'm talking about the yin to his yang. When we get back from a quick break, we'll find out how Amy got along with John's, quote, other wife. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Amy, John had already been in a relationship before this, not, you know, your prior marriage, but with Daryl for a long time. And so what was it like for you like, to getting to know the other part of, of this of this duo? Oh, you mean my other wife? Your other wife, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I the just kind of just fit the, right in like a puzzle piece. I don't the, know. The Hall & Oates team yeah. and family has always been very family-like. We have people who've worked for us for 15, 20, 30 years. That's how we treat people and that's how we, we, you know, we operate. So Amy just became part of the family and she's a very, she's a very individual private person herself. She never like inserted herself into the, you know, the band stuff, you know, she kept to herself. She'd have fun. She'd help out here and there. But basically, you know, she, she never really got yeah. in the way. And I still make it a point. I stay out of the yeah, you know, it was, that's it was no issue, business, really. you know. And I, I mean, to cut you off, but I basically was just kind of like in a, you know, a makeshift house. Like, I, I would go to museums, and I would kind of find out what's going on with, like, Tanner. That was my life. That was my full-time, being full-time mom. John would head out to soundcheck. He would do this and that. I'd be like, all right, see you later, you know. Tanner and I would just do normal family stuff, but just in a different town every day. <laughs> we, we, we have seen every science museum and every aquarium in America and Europe, yeah. trust me. Do you think that your marriage got stronger or that you learned more about each other by traveling around the world, You know, especially in the early days? Yeah, because we spent all our time together. We, we've been together, and, and when you say we've been together for 25 years, we've actually been together for 25 years. You know, I mean, very rarely do I leave for more than a few days or a week at a time, even now, you know. It's just, we, we, we created a partnership, and we, we went into our relationship as, as partners, and we, you know, we wanted it to be that way. And now our partnership's grown even stronger because we're doing this song festival, and due to COVID, the fact that we've been together this whole year without any traveling at all, this is the first time Amy and I have worked on a creative project together, which is really unique because we've never kind of worked professionally. The festival that John is talking about is the Oats Song Fest, which the two of them created to benefit Feeding America. And so that's been an entirely new dynamic that's, you know, been, uh, you know, in incredibly eye-opening for me to be able to work with Amy and see what she could bring to the table and how she's learning about, you know, things like television production and the legal, legal side of, uh, you know, all this stuff that we're doing. Well, I was doing the music side of things and she was really making the production happen. 
we looked at each other during this period of time. We said, we, we need to do something more to help. We realized that food insecurity and the issues with people being unemployment due to COVID and how that was just taking uh, this problem of food insecurity and just making it much worse. We partnered with Feeding America. We reached out to them and said, look, we want to do a show, a virtual show. Wondered if you might want to partner with us and, and uh, we'll give the proceeds to you. And that's how the partnership began. And then as the show took on a life of its own and became bigger and bigger and all these big names began to sign on. And we just want to make sure that it was just good content and free for everybody. Yeah, that was the that key, was a major key component. component was that it's totally free to stream. It is not a pay-per-view. And, but all the proceeds go to feedingamerica.org if you want to donate to Feeding America. Yeah. But the, the, art, the artists and the musical performances are incredible. And a lot of surprises and fun stuff going to happen as well. It's going to be a very entertaining show in addition to yeah. having incredible music. And the participants, the artists, they donated their time, their energy, just everything. I mean, we were just so grateful. It's yeah, unbelievable. We, we didn't know how it was going to turn out. We thought it might be a real small They little, all wanted, they're like, yes, but people I, everyone really, wanted to do something. Every, you know? Yeah, I, th I think inadvertently, and we didn't know this, of course, going into it, but we created a platform for these mus musicians and, art and songwriters to really do something positive and help, you know, by doing what they do best. And we just provided the platform for, for them. And they just sent in these incredible video performances. John and Amy have been together for 25 years. Of course, I have to ask, what is the key to staying together for 25 years? Because they don't just sound like they have a long marriage. The two of them sound like they truly have a happy marriage. And those two things are not always the same. I think acceptance and really the fundamental, just, just knowing that nobody, especially including myself, I've got many defects, but just accepting like, oh, live and let live to each, you know, let the breathing room. We have the same basic values. I think. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah, deep yeah. down inside, we, we both came from good families, different families, different style families, but good families, families where, where both parents stayed together their whole lives. I think that has a lot to do with it. We have the same type of values. We, we want the same things out of life. And really, I think the main thing is that I basically listen to Amy all the time. So I don't know. I just think that just letting each other just be who we are. Just, uh, and also having independent interests, hobbies, lives, this, that, whatever, and then together kind of, you know. Yeah, we have enough independence, but at the same time, we have so, so many more things that are really together in terms of what we like to do, how we like to do things, you know, how we like to treat people. We have a, a lot in common when it comes right. to that. Especially in the last few years or so, it's funny because being mom on the road, you know, farm wife, this and that, blah, 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 great. This chapter that I'm currently experiencing right now, I feel even a bit more kind of, I don't know, just my individuality. I, I, I thought in the last, like, you know, three or four years, gosh, I... Just one, I was kind of doing some soul searching. And I said, what do I, I, I think I even took like an adult aptitude test. <laughs> and it was like, okay, floral design. So I took this wonderful on, I'm huge into like trade schools, online courses, what have you. So I found this wonderful online program of floral design and I got certified and I'm really heavily into making flower designs and make arrangements for the COVID unit at Vanderbilt University, the hospital here. And I just love doing that, you know? And I love ballroom dancing. I just kind of, I've kind of rediscovered that 
I'm kind of my own person too, you know. Last few years, so you flowers and ballroom dancing. That, there you go. You never can tell. You never can tell where yeah, this. Yeah, he watches sports, and I go to my she shed. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this, Ramsey. Did you have any more questions? Amy, did you ever get your chickens? Yes, oh, yeah. we got emus. We had chickens, <laughs> emus, emus, peacocks, peacocks guinea fowl, llamas, alpigs. Yeah, when we lived, we lived in Colorado for almost twenty-five years. We had every animal. It was like Noah's Ark at our house. Yeah. So. John, have you ever written a song about it? Yeah, I did. Actually, it was r really around the time we were just get, you know, we had just gotten together. Well, actually, no, it was a few years after that. It was probably the late '90s, and I had just gone to Nashville for the first time to write, to start writing songs. I was looking for just other things to do because Daryl and I weren't touring that much in the '90s. And I sat with some Nashville songwriters, and we came up with a song called uh, "If a Promise Ain't Enough." And it was just about being real. It was, and actually Daryl and I recorded it on an album called uh, Marigold Sky that we did in 96. So yeah, that was a real, that was my first foray into writing in Nashville. And uh, and the song, it's a beautiful little song. And you it know- It was in Bride uh, Magazine of the Year, Wedding Song oh, of yeah. the Year. <laughs> Bride's Magazine chose it as Wedding Song of the Year in 1996. So I guess we were on the right track. This episode of Committed was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza. A special thanks to Amy and John Oates. Supervising producer is Ramsey Yunt. The executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Klang. Theme song and music by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at Joe at committedpodcast.com that's j-o at committedpodcast.com you can grab a copy of joe's book how to be married on amazon or wherever books are sold committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in atlanta georgia for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows a new season of bridgerton is here and with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.